We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I'm Vince D'Addario. I'm the football analyst here at Irish Breakdown. And with me, as always, is Brian Driscoll, the publisher of Irish Breakdown. And we are here today to talk about the Notre Dame-Georgia Tech game. It is Notre Dame's second uh, away game in a row. They're going to be on the road to Atlanta. They're not going to be playing in the posh uh, NFL Stadium, uh, home of the Atlanta Falcons, but they're going to be on campus at Georgia Tech, uh, which of course doesn't even really matter because they're not filling the stadium. But uh, Brian will be making the trip down to Atlanta once again, so two weekends away from the, the house. Brian, are you going to be able to handle that? Uh, yeah, at least this time I don't have to have your son come over and watch my dogs because my wife's <laughs> back in town now, so uh, she's point. back from her business trip. So no, you know, it, it's been a strange season, Vince, because normally... I mean, half the time in the during the season, I'm away from home. Yeah. And it's been strange for two reasons in that, you know, obviously uh, I'm not going to be traveling to all the road games because of the way that Notre Dame has it set up, which yeah. it's not Notre Dame's decision. It's um, you know, ACC only allows three oppon- opponent um, beat writers at games. And so Notre Dame is kind of divvied it up. And so, you know, sure. they want to make sure everybody gets the games, which I respect that. So that's no problem. It wasn't a complaint, just kind of it's a weird year. Uh, but also they haven't really traveled a lot, you know, because the Wake Forest right. game was canceled. So, you know, last week was the first road game, so it's kind of like, you know, it's October 24th and we're going on the road for the first time. And, and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to being down in the ATL. I haven't been there for a while. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you, Vince, I'm glad the game is not at the NFL stadium. I, really? I've heard it's a great stadium. 
I like college football games on college football campuses. I just, well, sure. it's just now this year may be different because, you know, it's like if we were going to Clemson, there's not going to be as many fans as, as yeah, there was the last the time I was there. The atmosphere right. is and, not the same. And that kind of stinks, but I do, I do like in general, I do like games being played on college campuses when possible. That doesn't mean these, some of these stadiums aren't cool. I, the thing I like, I like being at Heinz Field because the people that run that organization do a first class job. Pitts, you know, people always do. They, you know, fed us well. It's a good view. All that's good stuff. But for the most part, I really like being on, being on campuses. Oh, no, it makes perfect sense. Uh, I, and, you know, everybody, whenever I talk to an opposing media member, uh, when we're doing the podcast for the last couple of years, you know, I always ask them if they're coming up to Notre Dame. And it's a bucket list situation for a lot of these guys mm-hmm. to come up to Notre Dame. And if they're making the trip this year, it is nothing like no. it normally is on a game day. No. Walking, walking up to the stadium, the game that I went to, I mean, it was like walking through campus on a Wednesday in May. I mean, it, it's, there's, you, you could never tell that there was a football game going mm-hmm. on. And yeah. so if, if anybody's coming up for the first and only time this year, they're definitely not getting the feeling that they would get any other year at Notre Dame Stadium. So uh, I would imagine that would be the case for you as well. But you've been to a lot of these places already, if I'm not mistaken. Well, yeah, this is one This is one I haven't been to. I have not been to a game oh, okay. at Georgia Tech. So, uh, you know, some, some of them I have been to, but this is one that, that I have not. So it'll be kind of a cool thing to be the first time to be – on Georgia Tech's campus to be at their stadium, uh, you know. Every time I think of it, I think of the 2006 game. You know, the, the Brady Quinn scoring on the QB draw at the end of the game. You know, I think this is the last time Notre Dame was at Georgia Tech, I believe, was that 2006 game. So uh, it, it'll it'll be fun. And you know, I mean, one of my favorite quarterbacks growing up was Joe Hamilton. I don't know if you remember Joe Hamilton from Georgia Tech. I do not. Um, really liked watching Joe Hamilton when I was a kid. So you know, it's just I'm a big college football guy. I love the history of it, and so. Just another stadium that I haven't been to that I get to kind of check off the list. And, um, you know, so it'll be fun. And, of course, it's a big game. I think it's a big game for Notre Dame for different reasons. But, you know, it's going to be an, a big, an opportun- big opportunity, I should say, for Notre Dame. So, uh, you know, and I think it's not your typical game that people are excited about. But, you know, it's, a, it's an important game nonetheless. Well, let, let's jump into a little Georgia Tech talk. And you, you mentioned that it's a big game for Notre Dame. And, you know, going in, look, this is a 2-4 and four Georgia Tech team. They, they've beaten Louisville and Florida State. And I'm guessing if you would have talked to Georgia Tech fans going into the season and said, look, two of your wins are going to be against Louisville and Florida State, they would have signed up for that. <laughs> and they probably would have figured that there's some other wins that go along yeah. with that. Uh, Definitely wouldn't have thought point, they'd have lost to Syracuse, that's for sure. <laughs> right. So up to this point, those are their only two wins. They're 2-4 and four going into this game. You know, Notre Dame obviously is coming off of what they did to Pittsburgh, 45-3. to three. Uh, so both offensively and defensively, they've got Clemson next week, of which you know Brian Kelly has already kind of you know hinted about, which is good. Uh, so why is this game a big deal? Why why is this a big game for Notre Dame? Well, because not every big game is big because of your opponent, and you you're a coach, you understand this. Not every game is about. Right the opponent and winning and losing the game. And this is what I've always said, right? It, it's it's process-oriented. And I've been adamant about this for a long time, and that's why I was so happy to hear what Brian Kelly said this week about you know, just his team playing loose and how the message was it's not just about winning games, it's about dominating opponents, which means you're playing to your – you know, your focus is on playing to your potential, not necessarily beating a 1-3 Louisville team by 5 at home. 
you know, and I was happy to hear that. And I was actually told that I actually got a text about that on Saturday before the pit game that Brian Kelly had met with the defense and had said what he said. And then you went out and watched how Notre Dame played, but it's about the process. It's about, look, Notre Dame has a big game coming up, right? And the focus needs to be on what do you, when you look at it from a Notre Dame coach's standpoint, they need to ask themselves, what do we need to do to get our team in position to then go be successful against Clemson? You know, so What's the attitude we need to play with? What's the intensity intensity level we need to have? What are the things that we need to focus on? Okay, so you say, hey, well, maybe we're not tackling well enough in space at linebacker. Okay, well, then that needs to be a big point of emphasis during the week of practice against Georgia Tech because you're going to go face, and we'll get into this, you're going to go face really athletic quarterback and running back, and if you can tackle well in space against those guys and you feel like we've taken a step as a program towards getting to that next level, that's how coaches look at it. So um, offensively, hey, you know what, if, if – if, you know, the staff is saying, hey, we think we need to, to hit some deep throws or we really need to get our outside going back on track, it's outside zone back on track or our counter back on track or, you know, we need to get our third receiver, whatever the situation is that you feel you need to beat that other, that, that big game, you know, that Clemson, the Boston College, the North Carolina, then this is a week where those things need to continue to be worked on and improved. And you want to go into that Clemson game with a lot of momentum. You don't want to go in there sloppy, you don't want to, you know, your your starters to have to play four quarters because you didn't handle your business like you didn't handle your business against Duke, right? Because I wouldn't say Georgia Tech's any worse than Duke, and Notre Dame had to play a four quarter game against Duke. You know, I wouldn't say, you know, this Georgia Tech team beat Louisville by nineteen, right? So they have the same record as Louisville, right? And that was a four quarter game where one drive away from that other team beating you. So. The, the pit game was great for Notre Dame. It was a great momentum builder for Notre Dame. Now you have to, like I just said, you have to build on that. If you take a step back and you play like you did against Louisville, play like you get against, did against Duke, play like you did against Florida State, then then the, the pit game looks like an anomaly, right? But if you go out there and you dominate the way that you're supposed to and capable of, and, and not just dominate because you just were better, you know, where your guys were just better than their guys, but dominate because you executed well. You know, Ian Book bounced back from maybe not being as accurate while maintaining his, the poise and some of the aggressive playmakingness that we saw. You like that? I made that word up, Vince, playmakingness. Yeah, I was, um, I was wondering about yes, that one. But that yeah. we saw against Pitt. Uh, then, then you start feeling good about, hey, we're really trending as a program in that direction. And I think that's as – again, I'm, when I say we, I'm looking at this from, like, from a Notre Dame coach's standpoint of what the emphasis needs to be. Then you start feeling good about where you're going and you start feeling like you've got the mental mindset, the confidence level, the the work ethic, the mind, you know, just the different aspects that go into being mentally prepared and an execution standpoint prepared and assignment prepared to go out there and give Clemson your best. And that's the goal, right? Right. So it's not necessarily beating Georgia Tech. Notre Dame could could honestly sit half their starters and beat Georgia Tech. I, I truly believe that. But that's not going to get you in position to beat Clemson, right? Notre Dame could play a, a below-average game and still beat Georgia Tech, but that's not necessarily going to take the steps that you need to get to get ready to beat Clemson. It, that doesn't mean that a close game won't mean that you won't play well against Clemson. That's not how it works. But this team needs that level of confidence. This team needs that level of, of momentum to, to go into that game because – this is not the kind of game Notre Dame has won in a very long time. 
and you need the right mindset because if Clemson does jump on Notre Dame early, if they don't have the right mindset, then they're just going to get rolled. But if they have the right mindset, even if things don't go their way early on, they're going to have the right mindset to say, we're fine. We know who we are. Let's keep battling because that's there's no self-doubt because you know you're good. And that's why I say this is a this is a really big game and a big opportunity for Notre Dame. Well, and, and, and for me, it's about the process, right? And that's it's, it's kind of summarizing what you said, but it's it's about the process. It's not about the opponent. You know, they, there's some internal things that Notre Dame needs to do better, and they need to execute the game plan, which I think, by the way, the game plan has been good uh, overall. You know, there, there's been some, some hiccups along the way, but I, I did like the game plan last week, and I think they can build upon that, you know. And, and we'll get into some of the matchups that I want to talk about as well in a, in a second. But it's, it's about that process because if they, if they stay in tune with the game plan, they execute the game plan, they don't have to worry about beating Georgia Tech because that's going to happen. It's, it's just like with Pittsburgh. They didn't have to do any Herculean effort to beat Pittsburgh. They were going to beat Pittsburgh, but it's how they were going to beat right. Pittsburgh. It was the game plan, the execution. You know, what was that going to look like? And, and overall, that was done very, very well. Now, there's still things that they can clean up, and you and I will be looking for some of those things to get cleaned up in this game moving into Clemson because, look, as a coaching staff, you look at the schedule, and everybody – Everybody has the game scheduled for November 7th, or I mean circled. That, that, that's just human nature. So what you want to do, it's like getting ready for the playoffs in high school football. Well, in Indiana, everybody makes the playoffs, so you've got that first round of the sectional you know, circled of the playoff because you need to be crescendoing. You need to be at your best at that point. It's like right. having nine preseason games, essentially. You need to be playing your best then. Well, for Notre Dame, they pretty much need to be playing their best at – November 7th. That's right. Where, that's where they're crescendoing to. And it's all part of the process. And I think right now they're doing a good job of getting better each game with some hiccups. Don't get me wrong. But can they keep that crescendo going into November 7th? Yeah, that, that's it, what I've been saying. And I think I agree with you. And we talked about this last week in the Pitt preview. It, we, I, I said you agreed they're going to beat Pitt, right? Like Exactly. It's But how do you beat Pitt? And we saw them take that step. You and I kind of disagree. I don't think things have been going as good as you think they're going. And and that's okay. They, they, they've continued to win. I think in a lot of instances, they've just out-talented people. And that's why I was encouraged to see what we saw against Pitt. You know, one of the, what have I been complaining about for weeks? Why aren't the tight ends more involved in the pass game? Why aren't they using these talented running backs more in the pass yeah. game? Where the heck did RPOs go? And they were all there against Pitt on Saturday. You know, okay, so so are you going to build on that this week? That's that's the kind of thing. Are you gonna are you gonna u- now get Chris Tyree going involved in the pass game? Are you gonna now use Tremble and Michael Mayer together in the pass game? You know, those kind of things. Can Ben Skoranek continue to be, um, you know, a, a good complementary player? It th- those are the things that you need to see because. You know, I haven't loved the game plans, but like you said, they're crescendoing. And it's not even just about beating Clemson, if we're being honest. Because if Notre Dame beats Clemson on November 7th, but then loses to Clemson, you know, by 30 on December 19th, that that's that's gonna that's gonna hurt Notre Dame. However, if Notre Dame battles Clemson and loses, but then puts itself in position to then compete with Clemson and and really be at that all-time crescendo when you get to December 19th, that's that's ultimately 
the end game. Now, of course, you want to do it twice, but let's be honest, it's going to be hard to beat Clemson twice. Most teams can't beat Clemson once. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? you got to beat them twice. And so... Um, but it's about getting your program to the point where you can go toe to toe. Because even a, let's be honest, I think even a, a, a really competitive close loss to Clemson is going to give this team a level of confidence going into that December nineteenth ACC title game that that will make them think, hey, we, we can we can beat these guys. You know, we we can hang with these guys and we can beat these guys. Well, and that's that's a conversation for next week because I have my thoughts on that uh, as well. And, and, and we'll get into that a little bit deeper, I think, in our preview of the mm-hmm. Clemson game. But let, let, let's shift our focus here a little bit specifically to Georgia Tech. Let's start with Notre Dame's offense versus the Georgia Tech defense. Now, look, if anybody that's listening to this can pull up the Georgia Tech defensive statistics and see that statistically they are not a good defense. Now, Part of that has to do with the fact that they gave up 73 points to Clemson. And frankly, there's a lot of teams in the ACC that could give up 73 points to Clemson. They're a really good offense. And if things are rolling their way, that's the kind of thing that can happen. So let me start with this. Is Georgia Tech that bad of a defense, or do they just run into a buzzsaw in Clemson? They're that bad of a defense right now. (laughs) Um, at at, at important spots. I mean, because it's not just that game. I mean, they gave up 49 and 660 yards to Central Florida. You know, they just gave up 48. Oh, uh, let's be fair. They gave up 41 defensive points because BC had a fumble return for a touchdown. But BC called off the dogs in the second half. It was 34-14 at halftime. You know, BC called off the dogs. Uh, You know, they could have hung 50-plus on on them. You know, uh, Louisville went for 471 yards. Louisville just turned a ball over too much. You know, that that was the issue there. This is a team that gave up 37 points to Syracuse. So, yeah, they're not good on defense. And, and it, it really boils down to there's just some spots where they're just not good. You know, when you look at their defensive tackles, when you look at um, they're just they're, that's, that's an area where Notre Dame should dominate. They've got a couple good linebackers, but, you know, those guys are asked to, to be really aggressive. Um and that can expose them to big plays. I think their 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 defensive back play is solid, but just they're just still trying to figure out the defense. I think that's another thing too. Is is the reality is you you being in that triple option offense didn't just hurt the the offense; it also hurt the defensive recruiting because that's what Georgia Tech's battling through right now. Jeff Collins is battling through taking over a triple option program and turning it into a real program. And sure. And they're still battling with that. That's why they have a true freshman quarterback and running back. You know, and we'll get to in a little bit. But defensively, they had some recruiting struggles because kids just didn't want to play there. So even though they have some veteran players in their roster, some of those veterans are transfers, and so they're still learning yeah. the system. And so I just think that they're, they're they're just not a really talented team. They don't have any kind of depth. So when they when they put their second string defensive line on the field or defensive linemen on the field, there's a drop off. You know, and, and so that drop off is it can can hurt you, and so I think those are the things that you look at and you say this is just not a, a good group. Now they here's the thing I do like about them: they play hard, and they're not super talented, and and they don't always execute at a high level, but they play hard, and and they're aggressive enough that if you don't have a game plan or if you kind of take them for granted and you don't come out and take it to them, they're going to be able to do some things to you, and that's why to go back to the beginning of the of the podcast is that's why your mindset needs to be correct. And that's why it's about you, not about them. Because if your focus against Georgia Tech is holding yourself to a championship caliber standard, 
then you're not focused about how bad Georgia Tech is. You're focused about who you are. And, and that's that's the, the important thing that Notre Dame needs to be here is we're, we think we're a national championship caliber team. Okay, so what should we do when we play that kind of program? And that's that's the attitude that the Notre Dame players and coaches need to have because if you do that, you're going to dominate this game because this team can't match up with you really at any position, especially up front. I mean, this is a game where Notre Dame should absolutely get – I mean – it's also from a timing standpoint, Vince. You know this. There's been you have those games. I remember we've had a couple games like that in my coaching career where you play a team that's really good during the regular season, and then the next week you play a team that's bad. It makes that bad team look even worse. And when you look at what the Notre Dame offensive line is going to face this week after what they had to go through last week, it's going to look like they're playing a JV team. I'm I'm sorry, it is. So as long as their attitude is right. I expect them to absolutely steamroll Georgia Tech because they're just not a talented team. And the other thing that's worse, bad for Georgia Tech is, Vince, they're a 4-2-5 defense that has a lot of similarities stylistically, alignment-wise, coverage-wise, to what Notre Dame does. So they've seen this, and we've seen kind of what no, this Notre Dame offense can do to that because, remember, Notre Dame played uh, – Jeff Collins is, is not unfamiliar to Notre Dame. He was the head coach at Temple uh, back in 2017 when Notre Dame hosted Temple – and Notre Dame absolutely steamrolled him that game. 606 yards of offense, ran for 422 yards, and put up 49 points on the board. So um, I think it's going to be a similar, uh, should be anyway, a similar situation. They're not going to run for 422 yards, but they're going to they're going to put up a lot of yards and score a lot of points against this team if if they are locked in and play well. Well, you talked about the transition from triple option to you know a regular, a quote unquote regular offense, right? And I believe the defense is transitioning from a, an odd front to an even front as well. And, you know, from a college recruiting standpoint, that that's a completely different philosophy when you're recruiting the front. So mm-hmm. I, I believe that they are – Yeah, and it was a bit more of a traditional odd front, you know, yeah. where – like it, what basically is what Navy did. Is It's really a lot like what Navy did because that's what Paul sure. Johnson did. It. And the other thing, too, is they were struggling recruiting defensive players because they didn't want to go to a program that was running a triple option either. Sure. So that's why they had to bring in so many transfers. So a lot of – like I said, even though you may look at, at some of the guys, well, that guy's a senior, that guy's a veteran, but that doesn't mean he's necessarily a veteran in that system. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's kind of so, right. the, that's kind of the issue. Well, so, well, one of the issues I, we would run into when I was coaching is we we would play a, a really good team, you know, just a perennial powerhouse team, and you know they do exactly what you think they're going to do. They're just better at it than you are, right? Mm-hmm. But then the next week you play a team that's just not very good, and the problem we would run into at times is that they wouldn't do exactly what you would expect mm-hmm. them to do. Their technique wasn't very sound. They wouldn't step into the hole like you would expect. So when you had a pulling guard, you wouldn't be able to knock them out like you normally would. Mm-hmm. And just things get a little bit sloppier. Is that something that you would anticipate? But, I mean, it's a college level. Yeah, so you don't really different. see that as much at this level where, like, they almost make a play by their terribleness. Right. I, I don't, I don't, right. I don't, you don't really see that. I think what you see in situations like this is a team will say, hey, look, we know we can't just sit back and play our base defense and beat Notre Dame. So, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll dial up some blitz packages. They'll dial up some stunts and loops that Notre Dame hasn't seen before. Uh, they'll do stuff like that. And that's why I say you have to have your mindset right. Because if you don't, then those things are going to work. If you just think yeah. you're just going to come off and just dominate them without putting in the work, then then you're not going to do that. Because there are good enough players over there to give them problems. And and 
and, and you know they they the one thing their defense is good at is forcing turnovers and, and so that's the kind of the great equalizer in a, in a game like this so that's why I say the mindset is so important having that focus is so important and because Georgia Tech is going to throw some stuff at them that they haven't shown on film sure. but the good news for Notre Dame is they already did that two weeks ago when they played Clemson. Yeah. I mean, they weren't saying, hey, let's hold our stuff against Clemson because we know we're going to lose so we can try to beat Notre Dame. No, they were, they were, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they, they were throwing a lot of that stuff at Clemson. And sure. so uh, that is one thing that's going to help Notre Dame is, you know, they've had to kind of show their cards of what they do when they're, uh, when they're out, outgunned and outmatched. And they, and Notre Dame should have an idea of, okay, that we know they like to blitz this guy. We know we like to, they like to blitz that guy. And then you can get your guys in position to where say, hey, look, we know we need to set our protection, you know, away from this guy or to this guy or whatever the case may be, even though if he doesn't come, he doesn't come. But if you have your protection set correctly, then you're at least in position to pick him up if he does. So offensively for Notre Dame, are, are there – there's probably not any specific, you know, player-to-player matchups that you're looking at, but what are you going to be looking at from a Notre Dame offensive standpoint for you to be comfortable – uh, with what they did in this game moving forward, if that makes sense. Yeah, but there, there actually is a matchup that I'm curious to see okay. in this game. Georgia Tech's corners are solid. They're not great, but they're solid. I would argue that you could argue – actually, you could make a case that their corners right now are better than Pitt's corners. And so okay. – and their corners have really good size. And that's something that I think the Notre Dame receivers struggle with because their releases aren't good. So if Javon McKinley and Ben Skoranek can can make plays down the field against this group of corners, then then I say, okay, well that's a that's a positive sign. Now if they struggle against these corners, getting separation, getting a release, then that's going to tell me next week is going to be a tough time for the the, yeah. the outside receivers for Notre Dame. So that is a matchup that I do want to see. Again, I'm not saying that like this is the you know the 2013 Seahawk corners. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying they're they're quality duo, and you know with Walton and, and Trey Swilling, which people you you and I's age, Vince, we know about Trey Swilling because it's Pat Swilling's kid, the former right. New Orleans Saints uh, great linebacker from back when we were young. So uh, there's some talent there, and I think it, that's the that's the one place where you say Notre Dame's wideouts. I'm I'm going to be keying on how they individually do. Beyond that, it's just about building on your offense, getting the RPO game going, you know, getting mixing up your runs, getting some your run game going early, getting your tight ends more involved, continuing to get your tight ends more involved as as the primary reads because it wasn't just that the tight ends caught passes last week, Vince. It right. was that it was obvious watching the game they were part of the primary read, and especially on third down, it was they're lining up in, a, in an attempt to try to get Michael Mayer in an ISO, and that's what you want, you know. And same thing with Tommy Trumbull. So I want to see some of that. Uh, I want to see the receivers making plays. I would love to see some of the young wideouts just get them a chance. This is the perfect game to get guys like that oh, a chance. Yeah. Do some things with Chris Tyree. Send him on a wheel route. Send him on a seam route. You know, get the screen game going. So. Those things that I think need to be a part of what you do to beat a Clemson now or in December, uh, those are the things you're going to need to do to get into a big bowl game or a playoff game and have a chance to score enough points to win. So it's it's that building blocks thing. It's the execution. It's the toughness. It's the mindset. Because if this team can come out with a, with a mindset to be physical and focus and execute against a team like Georgia Tech, then it tells me there's there's the leadership you need to go out there and, and, and thrive no matter the circumstances. And that's that's the kind of thing you're looking to get out of this game. 
Well, one of the things I, I want to just piggyback off that a little bit. You talked about the tight ends and getting them, you know, more involved as the focal point of certain plays and things of that nature. What I want to see uh, continue doing what they're doing with Michael Mayer, but I want to see them up the ante with Tommy Tremble a little bit and get him involved in stretching the field a little bit. Michael Mayer is great on the underneath stuff, uh, but Tommy Tremble can stretch the field, which can also open up Michael Mayer, right? I mean, use both tight ends uh, as your primary reads, and I, I just think using them at different levels of the field can be – because I, I just don't think that they're using Tommy Tremble in the pass game very well right now. Yeah, and it's been weird. It's like I wrote an article this morning at, at irishbreakdown.com where I talked about how everything that we need to see from the pass game, we've seen. It just isn't happening together. We've seen Tommy Tremble be a big part of the offense. That was the South Florida game. You know, but but then he disappears for three games. You know, we've we've seen Michael Mayer be a big part of it, just not the two of them together. We've seen Javon McKinley have a big game. We've seen Ben Skronik have a big game, but it's never together and it's never consistent. You know, we finally saw the running backs become a focal part, focal point of the offense. So they got to get all that together. And, and like you said, Tommy Tremble, I think, needs to be a bigger bigger part of this, and not just like as a, a tight end. He's a really athletic kid. Get him in the slot. Move him outside. Give him some different matchup opportunities to where not only can you get him in matchups, but you can use how teams adjust to him to set up other players. That's great. That's good coaching. There was a a situation I remember during my coaching career where you know my team, the team I coached on, we had three really good receivers, and you every week you just can't okay which one of my three studs is this team going to view as their biggest threat and then you'd have to utilize that and we had a game uh game once where we had a slot receiver named Yarden Brantley and a really fast kid and this opponent basically said we're going to double team him wherever he goes and by the second series we had figured that out if he was on the outside they were going to put a safety over if he was in the slot they're going to put a safety over so we just started moving him around to 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 utilize to to manipulate their coverage so that we could set up other players. And so Yarden had I think like two catches for six yards, but we had two hundred yard receivers in that game because we were able to manip- manipulate it, right? So if you're if you're having success with Tommy Trumbull, then you can utilize that to say, okay, they're gonna react to him this way. So we can use that to, you know, we're gonna line him up out wide because it's gonna get the linebacker out. And then we're gonna run a delay seam right down the middle of the field with Chris Tyree or or or, or Kyron Williams or something like that. Or or maybe you put Brock Wright in the game and, and he's pass blocking, you know, quote unquote, and then you run a, pass, a delay with him where you just kind of do like, you know, pass that, pass that, pass that, linebackers go, and then he just kind of sneaks out in the middle of the field and you steal yards. You see, see what I'm saying? So when you do those kind of things, it, that's where when Mayer and Trumbull are successful and you're moving them around and you're manipulating the defense with them, not just leaving them in some sort of tight end H-back position, you can then utilize them to create opportunities for the opponent. A perfect example we saw last week with Pitt. There was the one big pass play Pitt had after the first drive was they put their best receiver in a in a slot position and they put a tight like a bigger guy outside, which got Kyle Hamilton outside against the safety. So they took Kyle Hamilton out of being able to help over top. Then they had their receiver in an ISO against Nick McLeod, but because he was in the slot he now had more room to work to the outside because Nick McLeod was just jamming those guys all day outside. So you put him in the slot, he runs kind of a wide fade, and even though Nick McLeod had good coverage, the quarterback was able to drop it over the outside because he now had more room to work and there was no Kyle Hamilton, and it's a 33-yard game. 
mm-hmm. right? So it's manipulating the opposition to create opportunities for your complementary players. And that's where I think an expanded usage of Tremble and Mayer in the pass game not only benefits you because you're getting your two best, arguably your two best pass catchers the ball, but you're also now able to use that to manipulate the defense to get some other things that you want to accomplish. Because look, you're not, you know, Brian Kelly announced today during a press conference that, that you know, the, that Braden Lindsay's probably going to be out two to four weeks. So you're not going to have that, right? So you've right. got to figure out other things you're going to do to get ready for Clemson um, uh, to, to, to beat him because you're not going to have that guy. So how do you use Tommy Tremble? How do you use Michael Mayer? How do you use some of your other players? That's going to be a big part of what they're doing. So you ready to move over to the defensive side of Let's the ball? Let's do it. All right, man. So obviously Notre Dame's defense is coming off one heck of a performance uh, overall, holding Pitt to three points. Now, granted, Pitt's offense, not very good. There will be more of an expectation, I believe, from Georgia Tech's offense than we had from Pitt's offense. Uh, now, the thing about Georgia Tech's offense, they are very, very, very young at a lot of the key position. I believe true freshman at quarterback, uh, there's one uh, in the – no, I'm sorry, true sophomore at the slot, true freshman at running back, quarterback, and left tackle. Uh, so th- there's freshmen and sophomores just littered throughout this offense. They're young. And because it's an offense that completely changed path last year, and so they've been recruiting to that to you know to that offense. So a lot of youth, um, but there's talent. I mean, the running back, Jameer Gibbs, he's all over the stat sheet. He returns kicks. He's – he can catch the ball out of the backfield. I believe he's the second-leading receiver. You know, obviously he's the leading rusher. Jeff Sims, the quarterback, is the second-leading rusher. Um, so, I mean, it's it's youth on parade here for this defense. And they they can be, even though they are a little bit turnover-prone with, you know, 10 interceptions, uh, they can put up some points if they have to. They, they, can, they can be scary at times. How do you feel about this offense? If you can, if you can't force them into turnovers and mental mistakes, they they can move the ball on you, and and that's what makes them that's what makes them a little bit dangerous because they're young, they're inexperienced. That's the issue. Their their quarterback is is a true freshman. Their best running back, Jameer Gibbs, who's really good, is a true freshman. That they they've got a lot of sophomores playing in the receiving core, and I, I believe their right tackles either a freshman or a redshirt freshman. I have to look at their depth chart again. So they're a very young team, like you said, that's having to overcome from having run a triple option offense for a long time. So they have to play those younger players. And if you can get them into situations, you know, second and longs, third and longs, because you're dominating on the early downs, then you can f- get them into turnover situations. Because they've played six games, Vince, and in those six games, in five of those six games, they've turned the ball over at least twice. Two of the games they turned the ball over three times, and two of the other games they turned the ball over five times. And, you know, so they've lost eight fumbles, they've lost ten picks, right? This is a team that will make mistakes if you attack them. And that's what Notre Dame has to do. They have to attack Pitt, or excuse me, Georgia Tech. I'm still thinking about the Pitt game. They have to attack Georgia Tech. They have to attack the backfield. They gotta they can't let the quarterback really get comfortable either in the pocket but also with his with his zone reads they're going to run a lot of rpos they're going to run a lot of zone reads and if you're if you're allowing him to really ride those fakes out that's where you can get a stretch and he can find room to run because this is a talented runner and then jameer gibbs their freshman back is a he was a top 100 recruit these are both four-star top you know you know i think sims was a top 300 kind of guy uh jameer gibbs was a top 100 kind of guy so these are talented football players and, and you have to be able to control 
what you can, you know, the areas where you can dominate. And, and the greatest way to negate a, a very talented quarterback and a very talented running back is to dominate them at offensive line. And that's been their problem this year. But, you know, this is an offense, Vince, that doesn't score a lot of points because of the turnovers. But this is also an offense that's moved the ball really well. I mean, they're. Their first four games, they had 438 yards, 471 yards, 453 yards, 450 yards. You know, and they didn't they didn't run for uh, you know they only had 362 against Georgia Tech or Virginia or Boston College, but it was five five point six yards per play. They just didn't run as many plays as they normally do. Uh, and Clemson was really the only team to shut them down so far. But this is a this is a dangerous offense that if you're not locked in and you're not executing, there's enough talent in the backfield and a receiver. That's the other thing. They have talented receivers. Right. I think Jalen Camp, that kid can play. Malachi Carter can play. I mean, these are good football players. And Jameer Gibbs out of the backfield is dangerous. And he's got 15 catches for 206 yards. And that is, you know, we've seen Notre Dame have some problems defending backs out of the backfield this year. And they're going to they're gonna be have to be prepared for that on Saturday because there's some skill on this offensive football team. I'm actually more concerned about this offense than I was with Pitt's offense. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, they may be young, but they've got some playmakers over there for sure. Uh, are there any matchups here that you're going to be kind of paying attention to uh, with the Notre Dame defense? Yeah, there's there's a, there's several. I, I think number one is, you know, Shane Simon really struggled in the past game against Louisville, but I thought he I thought he handled himself really well in coverage against Pitt. You know, but but look, Georgia Tech's they like to throw to their running backs anyway. Right, and then they're going to look at that and see that Shane Simons had some of those issues, not just against, you know, not just against uh, uh, George uh, Louisville, but remember Maris Louisville got burned on a wheel route by a tight end against Duke in the opener. They're going to see there's been times when this team has had trouble uh, defending running backs, and I, I think you're going to see that. So the linebackers against Jameer Gibbs in the pass game is something that I'm looking forward to, uh, and then the corners against uh, against Jalen Camp is another one. He's a big kid, six two. Uh, 220 pounds, had a 59-yard touchdown reception against Clemson. You know, he's a guy that you look at and say, you know, he can win some one-on-one battles. He's a guy that you have to you have to account for. And, the, you know, they're going to put their corners on an island against them at times. And you have to say, okay, is Nick McLeod athletic enough to run with them? And is Tariq Bracey physical enough to, to, to play with them? So I think you're going to learn a lot about them. Uh, in that regards, and then and then Malachi Carter, their other receiver, he's a six foot three, two hundred pound kid that can run. So there's some size. And what do you play a week later? You play a Clemson offense that has some size. Joseph yeah, Nagata, Frank Ladson, guys like that. So these guys can play. And so if your secondary can cover well against these guys, again, skill wise, this team presents way more challenges to you than Pitt did. And so if you're if you can keep them in check, then you start feeling really good about where you are, not just from dominating line of scrimmage, but also from a skill a skill player standpoint. So let me let me ask you the same question that I did uh, about the about the other side of the football. But what are you looking for from the Notre Dame defense on Saturday that will give you a good feel? Not I mean look. The defense gives us a good feeling most of the time, okay? Notre Dame's right. defense is very good. But what are you going to be looking for so that you'll feel even better about this defense going into the Clemson game? Just keep doing what you're doing is is the main thing. I mean, I think that's the big point of emphasis is just can keep play, keep playing fast, keep playing hard, keep playing disciplined football. Because what's been so good about the defense the last two weeks is they were just so assignment sound, and they were assignment sound with force. And what I mean by that is – 
it's not just stepping up and doing your job, but it's doing your job and doing it physically, fast, confidently. And they've done that the last two games, and they're going to be tested again in that regard. So I want to see them playing fast. I want to see them assignment sound. I want to see them attacking. I want to see them really exerting their will on Georgia Tech. Those are really things I want to see. The one specific thing that I want to see that we maybe haven't seen as much is you the, the pass rush needs to get better with your front four. Started to see flashes of it last week against Pitt, and I was actually impressed with some of the, the pass rush at times. I thought Dalen Hayes did a really good job getting after the quarterback against pretty good pass-blocking tackles. Um, I thought Jason Adamiola early in the game was was a force in the pass game. So you want to see more of that. But you need to see Adi Ogundiji get his pass rush going more consistently. Hayes needs to get his pass rush going more. They need to get Isaiah Foskey back on track because – you don't want to be in a situation where you're where you are forced to blitz a lot against Clemson to get pressure on on Trevor Lawrence and what helped Notre Dame be successful early against Clemson so until Julian Love got hurt in 2018 was Trevor Lawrence rarely had time to actually sit in the pocket. I mean they they did a great job with their pass rush in 2018 and Daylon Hayes and Adi Ogundiji were a part of that. Remember when Julian Aguara got hurt, Ogundiji came in the game in the first half, got a big sack that knocked Clemson out of field goal range. So they're going to have to be at their best as a front four getting pressure on the quarterback. And it, 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 this is the kind of game where you're, you're not playing a very good pass-blocking pass offensive line. You need to have some success. And if, if they can't pressure the quarterback with the front four in this game, I'm going to be a, a little bit concerned. But at the same time, I also need to evaluate what they're doing schematically because the one danger you have about really having an aggressive pass rush against a quarterback like Jeff Sims is is it is that it's going to open up run lanes, and then he can take off and exploit them. So, how they balance that is going to be interesting. And then when they do turn them loose, what's the success level that they have? Because there will be snaps, I guarantee, events on second and long where the pass rushers are going to be told the most important thing for you right now is keeping gap gap integrity. You do not need you do not want to over pursue because if you go on a wide rush against Jeff Sims. And then a t- tackle loops in the wrong way. There's just going to be this big running lane for that kid to go into, and you do not want to be matched up with Jeff Sims in space a whole lot during this game. So, you're as fans, you need to properly evaluate: were they actually trying to rush the quarterback on that yeah. play, or were they just trying to you know keep contain? And they're sure. going to do that. It, it's smart to do that in a game like this because Jeff Sims is not an accurate quarterback. You know, in, in two of his six starts, he's been below 50% completion percentage. In another game, he was at 50%. And then in another game, he was at 52%. So there are times where it's you're better off if he actually stays in the pocket and tries to throw than you are if he runs. And so, so that's the thing is, is, is being able to decipher between the two. And when, you, when they are turning them loose – are they winning their pass rushes? Those are the things that I'm going to be looking for in this game. Now, we don't usually talk about special teams, but as you know, I have a special teams player in my house, and so I, I tend to look at the kicking game and, and things of that nature. And I don't know – look, I, I know you probably don't study the kicking game for Georgia Tech, but they are not good uh, at kicking field goals. Uh, their punter is amazing. Their punter is averaging almost 50 yards a punt. And, which is important uh, when you have a team like Georgia Tech. They're going to want to flip the field. So uh, Presley Harvin the third is an excellent punter, but they have issues in the kicking game. They are one of five overall, and all, every one of those misses has been blocked. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, an opportunity, and the only re- the real reason I bring this up is because obviously Notre Dame had a block punt uh, for a touchdown in the last game, and you know there's opportunities to get their hands on these balls uh, in special teams, and those can be even in a game like this, those can be momentum shifters, those can be those can be big time. And look, Notre Dame has good special teams. I would expect them to be going after any kind of place kicking that occurs on Saturday. Yeah, I, and those that's good. I like that stuff. I mean, if you can get that kind of momentum-changing play, that's great. I think that, like you mentioned, there's there's opportunities there. The big thing for me, when you just look at it practically speaking from this game, is you can't you can't give up game-changing plays. That that's my bigger concern is not sure. Notre Dame necessarily making a play because Notre Dame could beat Georgia Tech by forty. And the special teams just does their job every snap. Oh sure, uh, you know Clemson is when you maybe want to steal some points. And I thought we saw a, a you know to your point. I mean, if if they don't get that pump block at the end of the second quarter against Pitt, they're still going to win that game. But maybe they don't have that that energy to to steamroll them in the second half the way that they did. You know, because you block that, it's twenty to three. That game was over at halftime. I mean, Pitt on their best day is not scoring twenty nine points against Notre Dame. I mean, on their best day with right. Kenny Pickett healthy and playing at yeah. his best, it's just not going to happen. So the game was over. Um, the the more important thing is just be assignment sound, be assignment correct. Because Jameer Gibbs, the running back we talked about, is also a really good return man. He had a long touchdown. Uh, draw, brought, uh, brought back against Boston College last week. So you just don't want to have a situation like that where uh, a, a punt return, you you getting yourself blocked, getting a punt on your own blocked, uh, you know, something like that where a big mistake on special teams can can be a momentum changer, and and that's the thing that they have to they have to avoid in this in this kind of game. So special teams wise, just be clean, just you know what I mean, just be sound. You know, be aggressive in your coverages because you know special teams is it can something where I I kind of look at them as as almost like you know umpires in baseball games you know like you know they're doing your job when you don't really think about it at the end of the game <laughs> you know what I mean so uh, that's kind of what I want to see from the Notre Dame special teams is just continue to do what you're doing because their coverage has been great this year I mean it really has I mean they're they're about as good as as you're going to see as far as just just being being a really good coverage team and not giving up big plays in the coverage game and um you know right now they rank 32nd in the country and and, but there's like 10 teams ahead of them that played one game and I don't really count those kind of teams you know what I mean right um and and so you know they're really a top 20 type of coverage team right now and and that's where you want to be because if again it's know your team right Vince it's like you have a great defense if if your opponent has to go 75 plus yards every time they get the football they're not going to score a lot on you it's just right it's not going to happen eventually they're going to make a mistake or you're going to make a stop and and that's really what I want to see out of special teams because that's how you beat Clemson you know it's just don't give up those big mistakes don't give up those big plays and then when there's an opportunity for you to make a play go make it so are, we, are you ready for prediction time? Is that where I we're am. at? I okay. am ready. Do you want to lead off or you want to uh, back clean up? You do the honors, buddy. Oh, my goodness. All right. So hey, you brought it up. You should, <laughs> you should at least go first. I, I'm ready. Don't worry okay. about that. Um, you know, I look at this game very similar to the way I looked at Pitt, and we've talked about that. I mean, this is a game that Notre Dame is going to win. And I, I think you said it. They could sit half their starters and still win this game. And, and it's 
not this is not a game that's going to sneak up on Notre Dame. It's not a game where they can sleepwalk through it and lose, honestly. And now, I don't expect them to sleepwalk through it. I don't expect it to be a situation where it's a four-quarter game. Um, I the, the strongest part of Georgia Tech is their offense, and frankly, the strongest part of Notre Dame is their defense. So I do not anticipate Georgia Tech being able to put up a bunch of points. Now, they have some kids that – that are talented. They're young. They're talented. Uh, I think Notre Dame is going to put them in position to, you know, make mistakes. Absolutely. I think they're going to they're going to put Sims, the quarterback, in situations that he's just not prepared for uh, and not good at, and and they're going to turn him over. Uh, he's got ten interceptions, and so I, I, I think that they're. They're going to hold Georgia Tech. Uh, I think Georgia Tech can score. I don't think it's going to be a situation where Notre Dame holds them to three points like they did Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll say that you know maybe they give up, you know, a touchdown, um, you know, maybe a field goal here and there. So I'll I'll say that uh, that Pittsburgh ends up with 13 in this game. I think Notre Dame's offense is going to continue to take steps. I, I think that. You know they've had some hiccups. Don't get me wrong. There are things on this offense that I am not in yeah, any they way. They scored happy twelve with. points against Louisville. Exactly, no question. And I and Louisville's defense is not good. Okay, Louisville and, lost to to Georgia Tech by like yes. nineteen the yeah. game before they played Notre Dame. <laughs> right. Yeah. Look, <laughs> they, Notre Dame has every possibility of winning this game. Uh, because of the defense, okay? Mm-hmm. But I do think Notre Dame's offense will continue to take strides. I think they're going to put some points on the board. I'll I'll give Notre Dame 35 mm-hmm. uh, in this one, so like a 35-13 uh, neighborhood. I think that's a, a safe prediction for me right now. So I'm, I'm going to – you know, Vince, you know my, my prediction strategy is a little different than most. I don't predict what I think is going to happen because if I was good at that, I would be doing something completely different with my life. <laughs> and I would have a lot more money. Uh, I predict what I think should happen, and and I think what should happen is Notre Dame's offense should should continue to get healthy. I think the pit game was the kind of breakout they needed. Yeah, the defense gave them short fields, but turning 30, 40 yard short fields into touchdowns every time you get it against Pitt is not easy, and that's like going eighty yards against some defenses, sure. right? So uh, the fact that they did that, they made some big plays. I liked how how just loose and. And, and kind of aggressive Ian Book was and making plays. I think they're going to build on it. I think they're going to dominate with the run game. I think that's going to set up some big play opportunities in the pass game. And as long as as long as Ian, Book's play, play, Ian Book plays with the same poise in the pocket and playmaking ability he did last week, I think Notre Dame's going to absolutely steamroll Georgia Tech. I do think Georgia Tech's going to score a little bit, though. Uh, I have 48-17. I think keeping them to 17 points is – is going to be a challenge for Notre Dame. I think they'll do it. I think that that you know Jameer Gibbs and Jeff Sims are going to make some plays in the run game, pass game, and I think you're going to see Georgia Tech maybe get ten points in the first half, add another in the second half. It's never going to be a competitive game, really. Um, right. But I, you know, and look, you you just can't keep people under under ten every week. And you say, well, you know, Clemson went and and held Georgia Tech to seven. Well, Clemson also just gave up twenty one points to Syracuse or twenty you know. So you you it's you know, you just can't do that on a consistent basis. You know, they gave up twenty three points to Virginia. 
Yeah, you, you know, you're, you're not going to see me predicting Syracuse to score 21 on Notre Dame. No, and, you no, you mean? will not. Absolutely, <laughs> and and uh, unless things dramatically change between now and right. then, I don't think that they will. So you just, it's just about matchups, and I think that 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 Clemson or uh, Georgia Tech has some matchups that are going to allow them to at least make enough plays to to get some yards and get some points. Now, if Notre Dame com- completely shuts down this offense the way that they have the last couple. I'll I'll be really impressed. And again, it's possible because Louisville, I would argue, has better players. Louisville has better players and more experienced players than Georgia Tech, and Notre Dame held them to seven. Uh, But Louisville self-destructed in a lot of instances, and Georgia Tech has a tendency to do that too. So if Notre Dame can be assignment sound, is it possible for them to keep them to to less than 10 points? Certainly. Uh, But I'm just not going to expect it this week. And here's, here's the thing, Vince, though. We're talking about whether or not Notre Dame is going to keep a defense or an offense to under ten points, as if like, yeah, it could happen. You know, we'll see. You know, but I don't want to be like. Think about how how things have changed in the last three years. Oh boy, like three four years. No, I mean, think about that. Like, this is a the, the the way that this defense has grown and this program has grown on defense. It's almost like if Notre Dame holds a third straight opponent to under ten points, you're like, yeah, okay, it's not overly surprising. Like, think about that for a second, you know, but I'm not predicting it, though, because that's really hard to do, and it's not something Notre Dame has done since since 2012, and it's just not something that many teams are, are capable of doing. So I'm not going to predict it, but would it shock me if they held Georgia Tech to under 10 points? No. No. Um, no. But I just think these athletes are going to be able to make some plays. They're at home, and, and, and honestly, they're, they got nothing to lose. I mean, this team has nothing to lose, so I think they're going to play loose. And, you know, it's Notre Dame. So Notre Dame's going to get their their best shot, which is cliche, but also true. So 48-17 is my pick. It's never going to be competitive. Georgia Tech will have three or four big plays that are going to allow them to get those points. But other than that, I think the Notre Dame defense shuts them down and the offense continues to build some momentum. And you start feeling good about where that group is as we head into that November 7th matchup. All right. Well, there you have it. That is our preview of the Georgia Tech-Notre Dame game. Again, that game is on at 3.30 uh, on ABC, but make sure you stay locked into irishbreakdown.com. Brian will be in Atlanta, and he'll be posting about uh, all, everything that is going on, and we'll, we'll be doing our in-game updates as well as coverage of the Brian Kelly press conference following the game. So make sure you stay locked into irishbreakdown.com. I'm Vince D'Addario. That's Brian Driscoll, and we will talk to you next time.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.